Hello, this is Mike Burek, the host and producer of Kunanitsia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Our guest for this episode is Denise Gurak, who is the CEO and co-founder of a Ukrainian tech company, ADAM, and he's also a venture partner with FF Venture Capital. This podcast is produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that has been published in English in the United States for the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Welcome, Denise. How are you? Thanks. Uh, well, probably I'm, I'm fine because I'm in the U.S., considering the war in Ukraine, not, not that much, but... Uh... Thankfully, everyone is safe there. Okay, so to start off with, uh, I would like to get some background about you, both educational and professional. Yeah, sure. Um, so I started as a lawyer, um, studied uh, in Europe with a view to adopt European stand to then translate European standards into Ukrainian legislation. It, uh, it was called the adaptation of e, uh, legislation to EU standards, which was kind of done in the process of uh, accession to EU and that uh, really long and burdensome process which Ukraine is undergoing. Uh, well, long story short, kind of my whole professional life was uh, connected to trying to bring Ukraine closer to the West, starting with that. Um, later, I switched to... Um, so, with that expertise, I started doing the specific industries, basically. First, pharmaceuticals and medical devices. Uh, I like to say that I was doing reforms in Ukraine when it wasn't mainstream. So from 2010 to 2014, um, I was uh, converging Ukrainian pharmaceuticals and medical device industry to worldwide standards. That went quite well, actually. Then when the war initially with Russia started, I went on to do the same for defense industry, uh, but also on the, uh, you know, management side of the defense industry itself. So uh, Ukraine has a um, has a government-owned company conglomerate called Ukroboronprom, which produces most of the weapons and trades the weapons. So from 2014, I started, I was actually the first person who put together first contracts with U.S. and bring U.S. weaponry to Ukraine uh back in late 2014 and kicked off this this process and was a uh, person who was main point of contact on with the us and various uh international strategic issues uh with the defense industry so i used to also head ukrainian delegation to nato industrial advisory group which is a format that works you know on convergence of uh defense industry standards in both uh, NATO and partnering countries. Anyway, and that led me to, um, you know, having kind of, um, to having to understand that Ukrainian tech scene, tech talent is incredible. And it's one of the best in the world in terms of expertise, in terms of, you know, creativity and talent in general. And I figured that probably this should be my, personal strategy to bring Ukrainian tech to the world because I think that that's the main value that we can bring to the world. Um, and that's why I'm doing the startup that I'm currently running and co-founded 
And that's why I'm a partner, a venture partner at a venture firm that just launched a uh, uh, fund for Ukrainian startups. So I kind of tied my life, you know, to uh, trying to bring as much exposure in a good way to Ukraine as possible. So let's talk about your startup, ADAM. What exactly does it do? When was it founded? Where is it located? How large is it? And where is the staff located? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so ADAM, or simply ADAM, stands for uh, Advanced Development of Additive Manufacturing. Uh, But uh, in simple terms, we are a 3D printing company, or actually a 3D bioprinting company so what it means we are printing human tissues on 3d printers we have our own proprietary technology to do that with bones or bone implants and but our product is an on-demand point of care uh, system for hospitals so that uh, hospitals can print uh, tissue, basically human tissues on site. That's that's the ultimate idea. We are starting with bones because this is solvable, and the it's the existing technology. We're just repacking it a little bit different way, but the ultimate idea is that once someone is injured in future, if they come to the hospital, they don't need to wait for transplant, whether it's skin, bone, tissue, uh, blood vessel, or even an organ. Uh, that's also possible in future. So it's printed on site, on demand, right there in the hospital, uh, kind of a Westworld situation. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so it's located both in U.S. and in Ukraine. We have engineering team in Odessa. It's all Ukrainian tech, which was developed there. We moved to U.S. two years ago. Uh, me and few people, we hired a few people here on the East Coast, New York, Connecticut area. And we're running it here like from the business and marketing point of view. We are... Uh, working with a few major hospitals here in the area uh, to become our first clients in the U.S., but at the same time, we're working with Ministry of Healthcare in Ukraine and a few hospitals there to uh, put printers to uh, print, actually, bone implants for wounded soldiers and civilians because uh, of uh, what... Because the our technology is very applicable to the current situation because of uh, the blasts, traumas happening from blasts, it's called polytrauma. So a lot of pieces of metal can be stuck in the skeleton and all those bone voids after they're removed need to be filled with something. And 3D printing plays really well there. And who's the competition for your company and where is the primary market for your products? Uh, So the competition, it depends on how you view it. We are competing on the orthopedic implants market. It's a huge market. Uh, in U.S., it's $30 billion. In Europe, worldwide, it's like 50, almost $60 billion. It grows uh, almost double digits every year uh, because of aging population. But uh, um, the conventional implants, how they're manufactured, are metal and simple plastic. So I wouldn't call them our you know direct yeah of course technically they are our competition but uh the most direct competitors are the same companies that are trying to do the same thing but um, there are not many of them i would say probably in the world there are like maximum 10 companies worldwide that are focusing actually on different markets on different sub product niches but our offering we believe is the most comprehensive one because we don't sell printers and materials or implants separately what we're doing is we're selling this as a service to the hospital so ultimately most 
every business will become either something as a service or a platform. Our model, which we call technology as a service, integrates both uh, because it can be a platform for tissue researchers uh, that could you know, sell other types of tissues through us to hospitals. And, and at the same time, we're selling this as a service to hospital, which in effect decreases the cost substantially. Let's talk about FF Venture Capital. Where is it located and what is its market focus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a venture firm located in New York and in Warsaw, um, founded in 2008 by uh, former financial professionals from the New York area. And now it's more than 20 people, strong team, 140 companies in the portfolio and it invests in early stage startups uh, both in US and worldwide now with the focus on CE in Ukraine as well so uh, I joined the firm in a role of a venture partner uh, which means I am helping the firm to establish and run the fund uh, specifically dedicated to Ukrainian startups and this idea came up both in the firm and in the Ukrainian government like few months ago when the war initially started and I was kind of an intersection of communications about that. So I helped put the fund together. Um, and now it's, yeah, it's, what's good about it is that it's the first ever fund for Ukrainian startups specifically dedicated uh, from the U.S. And yeah, it's, it's a great example of, uh, you know, the project for the rebuild and economic development of Ukraine in the wartime, but it's not a charity. It, it will actually make money for investors. And I understand the name of the fund is the FF Blue and Yellow Heritage Fund LP and was just established yeah. this year? Yeah, correct. And how large is it and has it made any investments yet? So as I said, uh, the target is $50 million. We are closing the fund uh, by the end of the year uh, with Hopefully, all uh, all the amount we have raised by now, big portion of that, uh, like eighty percent. So the first investments will be made early next year. Um, we have looked through the pipeline of Ukrainian startups, uh, which have which are plenty of actually, because Ukrainian startup ecosystem was thriving throughout the last few years. So there are hundreds of companies which need capital, but. At the same time, they're product ready, and it would be a pity to lose all that, all those interesting products because of, of, of the war. So, um, at the same time, so having the situation where the most vulnerable businesses like startups uh, need help, but at the same time, the best of them have viable products, uh, which we would be able to bring to US and to the global market with the help of our network. That makes a lot of sense. And can you talk about a few of the Ukrainian tech startups that you follow? Sure. So naturally, because of the war, uh, a lot of new defense tech is emerging because of well, the constant uh, bombings by Russians. Ukrainians have went to you know create air defense products, quite interesting ones. So following the company that is well, it's not yet you know super public. It's more like in a in a stealth mode, but because of because it's defense. But in any case, so there is a uh, an acoustic detection system for aerial vehicles, so for missiles and, and uh, UAVs, which I think will will um, 
could have a good potential on the global market because now everyone sees that air defense needs to be a priority, so countries will start investing in air defense. Other startups from Ukraine, which I like, um, well, they're so diverse, but the uh, the markets there uh, or the industries they're functioning are very diverse, like agri-tech, uh, biotech, uh, AI, cybersecurity, just SaaS, enterprise tech, so really diverse portfolio in Ukraine. But uh, what I like the most is uh, well, there is a company called Receptor AI, uh, which is a, an AI for drug development, for acceleration of the drug development. It's quite a hype subject, especially after the COVID hit. So uh, if you might know, the current vaccines were for anti-COVID vaccines were developed uh, with the help of AI, specifically the Moderna one. So th- that's a very good uh, product uh, for the global market and one more like just to show the diversity uh, is an app called obimi like o-b-i-m-y so like in ukrainian it means hug but um, how they call themselves is the world's first sensinger it allows its members uh, its users to send each other emotions kind of and apparently there's now growing the fastest probably on app store they have like close to 10 million downloads over the last few months. They have uh, thousands or tens of thousands of downloads a day, and they're keep, they keep growing worldwide because uh, the younger generations, the Zs and Alphas, uh, apparently don't want to create content anymore because it's too hard uh, or, you know, not too hard, but uh, you, you, to express yourself, you don't need to create a content. You can just, you know, share senses with your peers with your friends which is quite interesting concept for me i would probably never use it myself but apparently uh, younger people want to use it so i'm really um, anxious to see how they what would be the outcome of this obimi uh, app but uh, i i hope that it will you know become a uh, major app that, that people use in the world because um, just, yeah, just shows the uh, <laughs> versatility and creativity of ukrainians so overall, how do you think the war in Ukraine has affected Ukrainian tech startups and their efforts to go global? Well, of course, there will be risks and some companies, unfortunately, will fail because uh, investors will see, you know, Ukrainian angle as a risk. However, it's not really applicable to startups because startups is, are decentralized. So there is no, you know, one office for any startup, right? So current attack allows, completely mitigates that risk. But at the same time, uh, I've seen a lot of founders shown resilience and talking, you know, to friends and colleagues uh, in the industry. I'm seeing how motivated everyone is to not only to develop the products that they are passionate about, but also to, you know, with the same kind of idea that I earlier touched upon, we want to, you know, show the world for who we are. Finally, the world has seen it, you know, on emotional side of things. Uh, we want to make it happen, you know, on professional side of things with the with technologies to show that, you know, we matter and we can be helpful and valuable, you know, to the global community. So everyone's really motivated, working twenty four seven. I'm I'm really proud of, of, of Ukrainians in that regard. Denise, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I do want to ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. I understand that uh, you've been involved in some think tanks and NGOs. Can you describe a few of them and what your role has been? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, just really briefly. So after I quit the job in defense industry in Ukraine, I started, I became a senior fellow at the Potomac Foundation, which is a DC-based strategic think tank, strategic defense think tank. So focusing on, historically was focusing on uh, bringing Ukraine, or not Ukraine, sorry, uh, Eastern European countries, so former Soviet bloc countries, integrating them with NATO, uh, has been doing the same work in Ukraine for quite a long time. It's run by Dr. Philip Carber, one of the most esteemed military minds in the U.S., and people like Wesley Clark uh, involved uh, as advisors. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like my defense side of, of, of things. Not too active there now, because analytically, uh, everyone understands now what's happening. So, fortunately, our work planning why Ukraine needs to get closer to NATO resulted into something. Unfortunately, not because of unfortunate events, but the thing is solved. So we now need just more weapons. And that's the main priority. And the second thing is, um, I'm helping Kiev School of Economics, which is not only in a university in Ukraine, but also it has a think tank and an NGO, which is actively raising for the war relief efforts in various fields, uh, such as healthcare and, uh, you know, human, mostly on the humanitarian side. KSC, Kiev School of Economics, raised more than 30 million. I think now it's close to 40 million USD over the last few months. And we have done a few projects with them. I'm helping with them with contacts and whatever I can do here in the U.S., yeah, so that's that's a third job for me. Denise, thank you so much for joining us today on Krenitsia. Thank you so much, Michael, for inviting me. I have been speaking with Denise Gurak, who is the CEO and co-founder at a Ukrainian tech startup called ADAM, Adam, and also a venture partner with FF Venture Capital. And I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Krenitsia, The Well a podcast series about interesting and notable Ukrainians from around the globe. This episode has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper published in the U.S. for the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Until next time, that's all for now.